part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Now, back in the church I grew up in, uh, they didn't play the guitars, uh, but we had somebody on the piano. And have you ever had one of those piano players where there were certain songs where they touched every one of the keys? I mean, they would play it all the way up and all the way down. And that was one of those songs. There was just so much joy. And they would, you know, the pianists loved it because they could use every single key and just go on. But I remember that song, and I'm glad that we can sing that this morning. One thing, if you're just visiting with us this morning, one thing that we try to be very intentional about, very purposeful about, is that we don't want to be just multi-generational here at CS. We really want to be intergenerational. And there's a difference. Multi-generational means that you have a lot of people of different ages and you're there. Intergenerational is that you really do see that the body of Christ is purposely has very young and very old. And that we do life together and we get wisdom from those who have walked before us and we can you know, ask them questions. You know, hey, I'm raising my teenage boy. When you came upon this, what did you do? I've seen this happen in my life. And, and so we're very intentional about trying to be very purposeful and being intergenerational uh, and singing songs that are kind of older and then also singing songs that are newer so that we can really bridge that gap. Because, folks, I, I promise you this, that if we take our youngest and we take our oldest, there's not that much difference. Okay, there really isn't. Yeah, times have changed, and there's a lot of new things and there's a lot of old things. But when you get right down to it, God is the same. And this story that we've been talking about for the last four weeks of Advent is the same. One of the things that we often do, though, is we have the Christmas story, we have this Advent, four weeks of preparation, four weeks of getting our heart and our mind, even on our homes, ready for the coming of Christ. And then he comes, and then we just kind of go, okay, now on to the new year. And this morning, I want us to take just a little bit of time to kind of finish the story, to finish the story. And to do that, I need two guys to be volunteers, two smart guys. Are you awake enough for you two guys to, to do this this morning? Would you like to volunteer? Okay, come on up here. Can we give you the same test? You have to figure out. You've probably seen this before. How many triangles are in here? So come up here. Yeah, come on. Okay. Now, guys, I'm going to put the same thing up there on the board. And you've got 30 seconds. to. How many triangles are on there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had nine? You have nine? How many think that they're right, that there's nine triangles? Okay, how many think that there's actually more? That if you look at... Ah, man, there's, a, there, there's kind of a mutiny against you this morning. Okay, let's start with the, the obvious ones. Okay, there's six red ones, right? Okay, and then there's three white ones. Okay, but then if we take within the story, within the triangle, there's a triangle there, there's another triangle there, there's another one there, and then there's one... So, yeah. So, but you did good. You did good. Because the obvious answer was nine, right? But the real answer is, there you go. You can sit down. Thanks, guys, for helping out. I appreciate it. You know, when it comes to the Bible, one of the things that people really get freaked out about the Bible is that they just see the complexity of it. And it is complex. In one way, it's the most complex book ever assembled. 
because it truly has mysteries in it. It has prophecies. It has things, words like redeem that sometimes we don't use. I don't know that too many days go by that we just use that word redeem in, you know, every, every single day. And so we come upon that and we go, okay, this is really complex. And yet we try to emphasize here very much that the Bible is really how many stories? One story. And, but within that one story, we can start to break it down. And if the easiest way that I have found to break that story down is that we look at the four really kind of focuses of the Bible. Now, again, it's one story, okay, one story from Genesis to Revelation. But you can break it down in the most simple of forms, really. I guess you could say the most simple is Old Testament and New Testament. But that really doesn't give us the theme or the thought process. Now, the first thing that we see in the very beginning in Genesis is that God created the earth. And so we have creation, and we have some uh, really a very, very small section of the Bible that actually talks about creation. You can cover that on just a couple pages, if not just one or two pages, okay? And then we get into this thing called the fall. And this is where I think every sermon that I ever preach, we come back to Genesis 3 and 4, and, and what happens, that God creates Adam and Eve, and they're perfect in every way, and yet they are created what we call theologically fallible. In other words, they have a choice. Now, they can make right choices, but they can also make wrong choices. And they made a wrong choice. They get tempted, and in that temptation, they decide that they kind of follow that temptation, and they kind of go along with what Satan was saying. And they, you know, he was saying, look, if the only reason why God says don't eat from this tree over here is because if you do eat from it, you'll be like him. You're going to have a, a knowledge and a wisdom and kind of know things that only God knows. And so what we see Adam and Eve do, they, they do, they fall. Now, we call it the fall because they fall from God's grace, okay, in, in the sense that God had created them perfect, and now they're no longer perfect. So that's on about one or two pages. That part of the Bible is really only a very short part. So we have creation, one or two pages. We have the fall, one if not two pages, depending on how your Bible is kind of sculpted out there, then almost the whole rest of the Bible follows under this word redeem or redemption. God's story of how he is buying us back something that we could never do for ourselves. And I asked somebody one time and they said, you know, well, can't we just kind of make God happy with us? I said, well, you know, are you perfect? And they go, well, I'm not perfect, but I can really try hard. And they really began to kind of grasp that whole idea that there's no way that we could ever be perfect in God's eyes. We could never satisfy the need for holiness unless we were absolutely perfect. And most of us blew that knowledgeably by the age one. I mean, we were born into sin. The Bible makes it very clear that we're all sinners. We're born into that sin. So it's not like we were innocent for a couple of days. No, we were born in with this nature of sin. But by the time we're one, and we've talked about it before, we were really acting upon that nature, weren't we? I mean, by the, almost some of the first words that come out of a child's mouth is, no. Uh, come over here. No. And there's a rebellion. There's a kind of this resistance. And this is evidence of this fall. Well, the whole Bible, from the very beginning, creation, the fall, a couple pages, to all the way to the very end in Revelation, just the last couple chapters there, is this whole story of redemption. One story, like those triangles, it was in one way it was one big triangle, but it was broken up into little ones. Somebody did a study one time, they said, how many stories are in the Bible? Well, there's literally thousands of stories, but they broke it down to 235 
big stories. Well, we're going to break it down to even just smaller than that. Four big stories. If you get this, God created, we fell in our own rebellion, and we inherited that sin. God's redemption comes through this gift of what we just celebrated. This is why we're waiting. Now, we were waiting for Christ to come and redeem us, but we're also waiting for one other thing. And what is that? For his return. That one day, there's going to be not just redemption, there's going to be restoration. And and I love when we focus on restoration because it means that everything that was broken by sin, God's going to restore because Jesus has fixed that. So in one day, you know, people would ask, do you really think there's going to be streets of gold? Do you really think that there's going to be crystal seas? I go, I don't know. I just know that everything that was perfect before, you know, that God created in his perfection, before it was affected by sin in the fall, God's going to restore every bit of that. And, you know, it's easy to start thinking, okay, the beautiful, a place like Eden, in the Garden of Eden. It's it's, it's easy to think about the things of restoration, but here's the, the coolest part. Before the fall, Adam and Eve are there. And do you remember what the Bible said that God would do in the evening? He'd kind of go through. And man, they just, you know, he was there all the time in one way. They had constant relationship. And yet they would come and there was just this sweet time between God and his creation. And folks, right now, even though Christ has come, and yes, we are the benefactors of, of this work of redemption, we won't know that into full until what? One day when we go to heaven. I mean, even right now, have you ever been, a little quick test, have you ever been doing your devotion or kind of reading the Bible and all of a sudden a very, I don't say very, but a non-biblical thought came to your head? In the middle of reading God's Word. And then all of a sudden you remembered your boss. You remembered your spouse. You remembered, I mean, you remembered a lot of different things and all of a sudden non-biblical thoughts came to your mind in the midst of really trying to tune yourself to biblical things. One day, folks, you're not going to have to try said it before, I'll say it today in great excitement. One day, you're not going to have to have faith. Right now, you have to have faith. You exercise your faith by putting your faith into God's Word, into His Son, Jesus Christ, and the work that He's done. One day, you are not going to have faith because everything is going to be real. It's going to, everything's going to be known, and, and we don't have to kind of say, okay, I put my faith in this. I'm not so sure. I don't see the fullness of it. One day, God said, you will know me you'll see the full picture. Until that day, we're still in this process. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. One story that comes together. And that story is not complete without this word redeem. To redeem, as somebody said, is to to buy back, to, to, to buy out. It really comes from a concept in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, if you, uh, what we would call bankruptcy today, maybe you made some bad investments, maybe you uh, got a loan and you couldn't pay it back, somehow you became indebted to somebody else. And what they could do in the Old Testament is they could get you and say they could grab you away from your family. Here you're working to, to, to pay this back, and yet they determine that, okay, you, you're not paying back on time. They take you and they take your house. And what you thought was yours, you know, they take that. And then if that didn't pay back for it, then they would take you and they would put you into slavery. They would put you into a work and they would kind of take you off and say, okay, until you pay this back. 
Now, for the most part, you were indebted until that place, until you could do enough work to pay them back. That didn't happen too often. But one thing that would happen, and one thing that we begin to see a little bit in the Old Testament, and we see this concept blow up in the New Testament, is this whole thing of redemption. Where somebody would love you enough to say, okay, like, I, I know that you owe these bills, and, but I love you, and I love your family, so, man, paid in full. Here's the check. That, that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? How many of you, if somebody came in and offered to pay off your house right now, and you didn't really even know them intimately, you just kind of knew them, and they said, we will call up the mortgage company, we will pay your house off in full. How many of you would be willing to, to, to take that offer? Yeah. Now, here's the question. If they did that, and they wrote you a check, and you sent that in, and the, 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 then the mortgage company sends back this thing and said, paid in full. How many of you would continue to make your monthly payments? Well, why not, Sherry? You've been doing it, for, you know, for whatever amount of time. And, you know, why, why would you not pay, continue to pay, Sherry? Because it's paid in full. I mean, when we look at an illustration like that, doesn't it really become obvious and foolish? Why would we pay another even penny? I mean, would you even pay in a, a contributory dollar bill if it was paid? And say, hey, guys, we've been paying you in the last 15 years. I know it's paid off now, but here's an extra dollar just for good measure. Bruce, would you do that? Would you? I'm not thinking I'm even going to give one more dollar to that debt if it's paid in full. This is the concept that we see in the New Testament of what Christ has accomplished. This is the story of Christmas, guys. It doesn't end in the manger. And in one way, it just becomes to life in the manger. Because the Bible begins to tell us that what Christ came to do it's removed this curse that was upon our life. Look at Galatians 3.13. Christ what? What's the second word there? Redeemed. He bought us back. He paid the price. Christ redeemed us from the curse of law, becoming the curse for us. Now, the curse of law means in the Old Testament, remember the Ten Commandments? There were certainly other laws beside that. But how many of you have been able to walk perfectly and never break one of the Ten Commandments? The Bible says none of us. And so that's the curse of the law, that because of not being able to be obedient to all those different laws, that we're separated from a holy God. He's holy and we're not. We, we do these things. But what this Christmas story is all about is that Christ came to redeem us. Knowing that we had this debt, knowing that we could never pay it back by our own good works and doing what we need to do, that he pies us back by becoming the curse for us. How did he do that? Well, he died on a cross. That's why everything that we want to do is really cross central. We just focus on that a lot. Because that's not a, 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 it seems like a really sad story, but it's the good news that Christ so loved you and I that he was willing to die in our place, what we deserved. But the really good news is not only did he die for us, but what happened after that? Do you remember what happened after that? He was in the grave. Do you remember how many days he was in the grave? Three. Three days. And then what happened? He rose from the dead. And all of a sudden, uh, we see you know, something like this, where he was in this tomb, and the stone is rolled away. And then all of a sudden, we see that he's alive again, and he'll be alive forevermore. Folks, that's redemption. That a price has been paid. Christ was willing to die for you and for me. And he dies, and he rises again. And that's when we find this beautiful passage in Galatians 
Look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, what is that talking about? It's talking about the first Christmas. Not a second too late, not a second too early. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to do what? To redeem what? Those who were under the law. And that's all of us, to redeem us, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. Look at the next two verses. And because you are sons, because you are the children of God, God has sent his spirit, the very spirit of God, and his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then what? An heir of the living God. This is the Christmas story in full. I know it's quite simple. You take this very, very complex book that has mysteries. People have studied it for thousands of years, and yet there's still questions. Uh, in fact, I, to a couple of the elders this morning, I threw out there, has anybody ever heard about the, uh, if, if Christ was immutable or not? Do you, immortality, not immortality, if Christ was immutable or not. But that's a theological question that people are still scratching their head over. Could Christ have really sinned? Because he's fully God. He's also fully man. And so there's two, things, two waves of thought there. We're going, oh, man, if he's fully man, so yes, he was susceptible. He was tempted, but then he was fully God. Could he really be tempted if he couldn't sin? And so people, they look at hard theological concepts like that, and they just do this. And they scratch their head. And we may never know the answer to some of those questions. But guys, don't let the complexity of some of those things override the simplicity of the Christmas story. The Bible in four parts. He created a perfect world. In that creation, Adam and Eve rebelled against it. We call it the fall. They rebelled against the Holy God. The whole rest of the Bible, except for the very, very last part, is God's story of redemption, to buy back, to go and send one. He clothed himself in flesh so that he would come and dwell among us and be the perfect sacrifice. Christ was born at the perfect time, the Bible says. He was born with a purpose that is with you and I in mind to redeem us, not just to come and do a quick checkout on earth. Christ wasn't here 2,000 years ago to go, okay, just checking up on you guys, seeing how things are working out. No, there's a very specific purpose. He came to redeem those that were under the law, all of us that had broken the law, to show God's grace and his mercy. Let's not leave the Christmas story in the manger. It's a beautiful, beautiful part. It's an essential part of it, but it doesn't end there. It comes with the rest of the story of God's great intentionality so that you and I, when we get into those times of our lives, when things just seem hopeless, when we seem overwhelmed by our own sin, our own disappointments, that we can be reminded this book tells us, the story of redemption tells us that Christ so loved us that he sent his son to die for us so that we can live with him forevermore. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you. Father, will you help us to grasp fresh and anew this familiar story of what it means to be redeemed? Father, as beautiful as it is that you would come and clothe yourself in flesh, and Father, that you would take on the, the trappings of this little manger and that you would be placed in a place usually where there was just food for, for animals, 
that, Father, you didn't have to come and be kind of set up on a royal throne, but, Father, you came in, 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 in all the dirtiness of this earth. But, Father, you came at the right, perfect time. And, Father, you've given us a story now to celebrate. Father, thank you for buying us back out of our slavery. That, Father, that this curse that goes with sin, that Christ was willing to become that curse for us, but then triumphantly to raise again on the third day so that we could have life forevermore. So, Father, we come this morning. I, I pray that we come in the celebration of what it means to be redeemed, to be bought back. And that, Father, we'll agree, there's a lot of complexities about this Bible. And yet, Father, will you help us to focus on the story that it tells, that you, holy God, so loved the world, that you sent your Son to redeem us. And that we can celebrate as we pray this in the beautiful name of Christ. Amen. We sing a song before, uh, kind of the old school, uh, the hymn, Redeemed. Uh, a group came out just a couple years ago with this other song. It's probably been four, five, six years. It instantly became one of my favorite songs. And uh, it talks about the same thing, about being redeemed. It talks about the hope that we have in Christ. So as we go out today, this will be our closing prayer. After this, we can just kind of go out, shake hands, and tell people, you know, Happy New Year, and glad to see them this morning. And especially for those that are visiting with us, man, we are really glad that you're here this morning with us. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.